everyone. Glad to have the opportunity to be here this evening. I talked to George a couple of times, or two or three times rather, and uh, told him that I'm looking forward to this event, and uh, I'm glad for all my friends and all the ones in my congregation that came tonight. We appreciate your coming. I'm glad to have them with us tonight. And so uh, we'll get started in Acts chapter 8, if you'll turn there. <coughs> Acts chapter 8. Uh, for sake of time, I'll begin reading at verse 35. Acts 8, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch says, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that he, Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. I see this to be believer's baptism. Uh, what I mean by believer's baptism is, he asked, he says, do you believe? Before the baptism, he says, do you believe? And the, and the eunuch said, I believe with all of my heart. And so I look at, by, as far as the scriptures teach, I believe the scriptures teach believer's baptism, which means that it's a, it's a step uh, of obedience, it's a step of faith uh, for one who has believed. They have put their faith and their trust in only Christ. And... I want us to think about something. We'll not turn to a lot of scripture for sake of time, but I will kind of hit a lot of several scriptures, just kind of touch over some of them. You can write them down or you can get the DVD or CD or whatever that you need to, to get. But in John chapter 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a highly educated man. He was a man of great learning. He was a man of great understanding. And Nicodemus was a man that was well, well respected. Had he lived in our day and time, no doubt he would have a doctorate in theology. Because he was a man that knew scripture and he was a man that studied being the, being the kind of man that he was. But Jesus told this man... He says, Marvel not, verse 7 through 7, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Jesus told them before, before he got started, Jesus told them, you must be born again. And of course, Nicodemus did not understand this. He said, how can a, a man enter to his mother's womb the second time? And what Jesus tried to teach him and tell him, that it was a supernatural birth. It was, not of the, it was not of the flesh, it was not of man, but it was of the Spirit. Uh, it was a supernatural birth. And, and so, at that moment, when a person, when a person comes to Jesus and they, they believe on Him, then there is, there is a supernatural birth that takes place. And He said, you must be born again. So, there's that physical birth. And then there comes that born again or that supernatural birth that comes unto all those, I believe, that come to Christ. What is baptism? The Greek word means, uh, uh, baptizo, the Greek word, it means to dip or to immerse. It literally means to submerge. 
when you when you go swimming and you dive in and you go to the bottom, then you are submerged in water. You are covered in water. There's no part of you that uh, that is is not in the water. It means to be immersed, immersed or or to be submerged into the water. Most of us, I'm sure, agree with that. I know that there are some that believe in sprinkling, and uh, if that's their belief, then so be it. But, but baptism, the word, means to immerse. It means to be submerged into water. Who, who is to be baptized? That's a good question. Who is to be baptized? And I believe, according to the script, Scripture, only those who have been born again. Only those that can give a testimony, give a witness that they have been born into God's family. And I believe that that is the, that is the first thing. And after that, that is what makes baptism essential. Baptism is the first step of obedience of a new baby, a new child. I believe when I, when I accepted Jesus, I was born into God's family. And I believe I was a baby in Christ. I was a baby in Christ. And so my first footstep, my first, my first walk in my Christian life was to be baptized. Was to be baptized. Who is to be baptized? Only those who have been born again. Only those who have heard the word and received it by faith. And Acts 2.42 tells us that, and I'll go ahead and turn there. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, we'll see what, what the Scripture tells us about this very uh, important manner of being baptized. I tell them at my church, Find it before I do wait on it. <laughs> Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. There he says, And they continue, continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread in their prayers. He says, They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And so here I, I see that. Uh, that those who have who have heard the word, those who have received the word that they have heard, <coughs> Jesus said, "Behold, or be beware, uh, beware." He told us to beware of of those false prophets and false teachers. He he told us to beware of what we heard, but he also tells us to be heard how we heard. And he gives us examples which I'll not go into tonight. But it's obvious to me that, that baptism is for those who have heard the word and those who have believed the word. And then they are candidates for baptism. John 1.12 tells us, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them... That believe. So in John 1.12, John 1.12, we're told that a person has the power or the authority to be called a child of God when they have believed. And so baptism is that is that work, uh, or not a work, but baptism is that first step that a newborn babe in Christ is to follow. Who is not to be baptized? Well, I think you would probably agree with me tonight, maybe not for some of you, but an infant. I, I don't believe the scripture teaches that a that a child can be baptized. The reason I say that is because they do not they're not able to hear the word and believe. They're not they don't have the concept of what sin is. You you have a little child and you have to teach that child to share. Uh, you don't have to teach a child to uh, to uh, to share. You have to teach them that. You don't have to. Or, or you don't have to tell them how to be stingy. Uh, you go to any nursery or any uh, daycare where there's a lot of children, and a child will say, "Mine, mine. That's mine." So an infant has not that right. 
And of course, the unbelief. Those who have heard the word, they do not believe the word, they do not receive the word. Those uh, must not must not be presented as a candidate for baptism. When to be baptized? In Acts chapter 8, we see the eunuch, and the eunuch said, Here is much water. What does hinder me from being baptized? And so what I see in this is one is to be baptized as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Uh, this man, the eunuch, was baptized almost immediately. And in the early church, there were thousands of souls that were saved. And, and daily, it says daily they were added to the church daily. There were the thousands that come to Christ, and, and they were baptized daily. And so uh, the, the best time to be baptized is as soon as possible. <coughs> well, how, do, how are we to be baptized? We've already mentioned that immersion, Jesus was immersed in the, in the water, submerged in the water. So Jesus was baptized that way. We're baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us this in the book of Matthew. It tells us that we're baptized uh, in that way. The great commission given to us is to be baptized in Matthew 28, 18, 20. It's given unto us to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Who has the authority to baptize? I believe the authority of, the, of baptizing is given to the local church. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, Go make disciples and baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So, uh, who has the right, the authority to be to baptized? I believe it's the local church. Now, why are we to be baptized? That's a good question. Why are we to be baptized? You know, we can go to church and see someone baptized, but what do we really see? What is it all about? Why, why are we to be baptized? I, uh, I came to know Christ as my Savior when I was 11 years old in a little old town called 56, Arkansas. Now, I know you don't know what that's at, but that's okay. The Lord knows where it's at. But uh, I came to know the Lord there. And the night that I came forward and I prayed and I, and I prayed to the Lord Jesus, when I did that, then I, be, I began right then to realize that my sins were forgiven, that they were washed away. But that was not the end of all of us. After I had accepted Christ, upon receiving Him, the, the pastor told me, that according to Scripture, then the right thing for me to do would be to be baptized. The first step of obedience was to be baptized. So I, uh, of course, I uh, surrendered to be baptized uh, into the local church. Why are we to be baptized? Well, one, one is called it's commanded. It's commanded by the Lord. I, I believe everyone here probably would agree with me there. It's commanded of the Lord. It's not something that we just up and decide, well, I don't believe I want that. It, it's, it's commanded of the Lord. Baptism, I don't care if you're Baptist or, or whoever, if you know Christ is your Savior, uh, then baptism uh, is, uh, is, is required. It's to be obedient. Uh, it's to be obedient to the Lord. It's commanded to be so. But again, I say another reason is the first the very first step of obedience. Until you take that step of obedience, then you won't go any further in your life. That step of obedience, a baptism for the newborn believer, is that uh, is important for that reason. But also it pictures what Christ has done. It pictures what Jesus has done. I have a I have a wedding ring on on this finger, and I've been married this March the 23rd, I'll be married 26 years. This ring does not marry me. I can take this ring off and I can put it on a five-year-old child, and I can look at that child, 
And I cannot say, well, that child is married because he has a ring. And I can take it off and I can say, well, I'm not married, but that doesn't make me not married. It just means I don't have the ring. The ring symbolizes. This ring symbolizes that I have entered a covenant with God and with a woman that I love her and I, I married her and she's mine until death do us part. Baptism is that way. It's a symbol. It, it shows us. It shows uh, our relationship to Christ. It identifies us with Christ. And if you will, turn with, uh, with me quickly to Romans chapter 6. Uh, Romans chapter, chapter 6. And we'll see that it identifies us with Christ. Romans chapter number 6. Verse number... Let's look at verse 4. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. But notice he said by baptism into death. This I believe is symbolic. It says into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also are, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together, together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we should not serve sin. And I will, uh, for sake of time, I'll skip down to verse number, uh, verse number 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed of the sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the love thereof. Uh, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And I'll leave off reading there for sake of time. But when a person comes and a person is baptized, I believe what's happening is, and we usually say these words or something similar to these words, we usually take that candidate, and after we, they profess faith in Christ, we baptize them, we lay them down, and we, we lay them underneath the water to submerge them under water, and then we, we bring them up and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We say, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, that we would walk in Christ. That's not the exact word, that's a paraphrase, but that, that we would walk in Christ. So we see baptism, I see baptism, as identifying with Christ. It's the outward symbol of an inward work of grace. It's the outward symbol of what Christ has put into us. But also it shows that we're not ashamed. When we are baptized, we're showing that we're not ashamed of Jesus, that we're willing to take a a public step. We're willing to to be identified with Jesus. Because there are those that will criticize. There are those that will make fun. There are those that do have nothing to do with Christianity. They think it's a bunch of junk and they will laugh and scoff. But a person, when they're being baptized, they're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Okay, what are we saying when we are baptized? Well, I believe we're saying, I realize that I am dead to sin and I'm alive unto God to walk in the newness of life. When we're baptized, I believe what we're saying is, I, I am dead to sin, but I'm alive unto God to walk in newness of life. It's a, it's a covenant, a promise that we make, uh, we make in our hearts unto God. And we're saying, Lord, I... I, I know that I'm dead to sin. So we're not to live in sin any longer. We're not to do what the flesh wants us to do. But we're to follow Him in the newness of life. So I see that as a very, very important step that uh, we must consider. Well, let me uh, just take a few minutes here and consider some key scriptures that we think about. 
some key scriptures that we think about. We think about many times Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And he says, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Let's turn there, if you will. I don't want to make I want to make sure I don't paraphrase that. Uh, Acts chapter two. Uh, I'm like some of you. Uh, sometimes my memory is good, and sometimes it's not so good. Uh, Acts chapter two, and verse number thirty-eight. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, now we know here that he says repent. That, I mean, that's obvious. And then he says to us, he says, repent and, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Now, I don't know a whole lot of, he, a whole lot of Greek, but I looked under, I looked under the Greek, or looked in the Greek for the word for. And it said that that word for means on the account of, or literally because of. And I believe that when he says repent and be baptized uh, for remission, I believe that he's saying uh, an account of, uh, because of, because you have been cleansed, because your sins have been remitted, then you need to be baptized. I know that's uh, uh, that's simple uh, for some, and that's. People disagree with that, and that's fine. But that's fine. But but I believe that that's what he's saying. Actually, I believe that's what he's saying. But also, I, I think of other uh, verses that we might uh, we might think about. And if you will, uh, go with me to Acts chapter three. Let's look at that. Acts chapter number three. See what people uh, have to say about baptism. Acts 3, again looking at verse number 12. I tell you what, it's a lot, that's a lot of verses. But for sake of time, let's look at uh, Acts 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the time of refreshing shall come, from the presence of the Lord. So you notice he said there, repent ye therefore and be converted. And I believe re repentance does that. Repentance draws us to Christ. It draws our lives into a new way of living, into another way of thinking. And I'd like to ask if you uh, would to turn to Mark 16.16. Book of Mark 16.16. Mark 16, 16. <coughs> there in verse 16, our Lord says this, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these, things, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they, that they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with other, with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt thee. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now that passage of scripture, we don't see we don't see much of the other. We don't see much of those last scriptures. But when he deals with baptizing, he says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Notice, if you will, verse 16. He did not close it by saying, He that believeth not and he that is baptized not would not be saved, or they would be damned. So he didn't go that far. He didn't say that those that have been baptized will be, uh, will be damned. And let me, let me just inter interject this thought for you. I believe in the scripture that when Jesus was on this earth, and even after he ascended, those who were baptized, they never thought about not getting baptized. I mean, those new converts, it, it was not like 
It was not like those that would say, "Well, I, I don't want to get baptized. I, uh, you know, I want to I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to get baptized." During the early church, I mean, it just it just stood to reason. You know, when you come to Jesus, you're going to get baptized. And I don't believe that that added to their salvation, but I believe that that was their obedience to the Lord. It was just something that was uh, that was expected of them. And so, for that reason, I have to say. Baptism is essential. It's essential in our Christian experience, in our growth, in our growth of the Lord. It's something that that uh, we must that we must do. But if you will turn with me to Acts ten, we'll try to stay here most of the time in Acts, and we'll uh, do it that way. Acts chapter ten. Most of you are familiar with this text, having to do with the one that, that got saved here. Acts, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius. Acts 10 verse 44. Verse 44. <clears throat> he says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And notice, if you will, verse 45. And they are the circumcision which believed and were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Gentiles came to the Lord. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The, then uh, answered Peter, can, can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as we have, as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, then prayer, uh, then pray they him to tarry certain days. And so here we see that it was commanded. Uh, here we see a, a new convert, Cornelius. And Cornelius was a, a Gentile. He was not even a, a Jew. And yet it was commanded for Cornelius uh, to be baptized. It was commanded that that he follow that he followed the Lord in this thing that we call believers baptism baptism. Scripture is clear that I believe I believe that from that from sin we are we are cleansed from sin with the blood of our Savior. If we'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter number 1. And we want to look at that for just a moment. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1, verse number 5. Verse number 5. And Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And here, John the Revelator tells us that Jesus loved us and washed us in his own blood. And now let me go quickly to Revelation chapter 7, verse 14. I must hurry on here. Revelation 7, verse number 14. Verse 14 says, and I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they that have come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so here again he says that we're made white in the blood of the Lamb. And in just uh, in closing, let me just say again, uh, uh, George, <coughs> thank you for allowing me to come. Uh, audience, thank you for for listening.
again. I, I pray and I trust that maybe all of us, when we leave here tonight, all of us will be able to say that, that we learned something uh, that we did not know. So that's my prayer for me and that's my prayer for you. Thank you.
Number two, uh, water baptism is absolutely essential because it is from heaven. I call your attention, first of all, to Matthew chapter 21, verse 25. Jesus asked the chief priests and elders, the baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? They reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. Now, the, the word believe in this passage means obey. In other words, if they say that John's baptism is from heaven, Jesus is going to ask them then, Why then did you not obey him? Now I want you to think about the baptism which Jesus commanded. Was it from heaven or from men? If it is from heaven, then on judgment day, the Lord is going to ask you, why then did you not obey it? If it's from men, then Jesus was not a true prophet. But Jesus was a true prophet. In fact, Jesus was more than a prophet. He was the very Son of God. And He had the authority to require baptism if He wanted to. And He did. So that's the second reason. But, but uh, also I want to call your attention to another thing about John's baptism. Because I want you to see, when people rejected John's baptism, they were rejecting the will of God. In uh, or Luke chapter 7, verse 29, And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers, listen, rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Now, if that's true of John's baptism, what about Jesus' baptism? If um, uh, Jesus' baptism is superior to John's baptism, according to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 5, and if people reject Jesus' baptism, they are rejecting the will of God for them. And so that's why that baptism is absolutely essential for salvation. Absolutely essential. Reason number three. Water baptism is absolutely essential because... It is how sinners contact the blood of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus' blood uh, saves us from our sins. But how does the sinner get the blood of Christ to wash away his sins? How does he get it applied to his life? Watch carefully now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So if we are in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. How do we get into Christ so that his blood will wash our sins away? Well, look at Galatians 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So if I get baptized, that puts me into Christ where I contact His saving blood and my sins are washed away. Because baptism is when the blood of Christ is applied, Peter could write these words in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. In the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. The, there is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, baptism saves us now. Why? Because that is when we contact the saving blood of the Lord. The reason number four, that water baptism is absolutely essential because it is how men call on the name of the Lord. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How does one call on the name of the Lord? Calling on the name of the Lord has some connection with salvation, but how do you do it? How do you call on the name of the Lord? According to Scripture, a sinner calls on the name of the Lord by being baptized in water. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Ananias said to Saul, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism is how the sinner calls on the name of the Lord. 
Now, it should concern every one of us when people trade what Jesus actually said for something He never said. And they accept that. For example, Jesus never said that an alien sinner is saved by faith alone. Jesus never told an alien sinner to accept Jesus into your heart and pray the sinner's prayer. Jesus never said prayer is how the alien sinner calls on the name of the Lord. And yet that's what's being taught and that's what people often believe. On the other hand, what Jesus did say is that when a person is baptized, they are calling upon the name of the Lord by being baptized, Acts 22 and verse 16. And it should concern all of us when people trade what Jesus did say for something He never said. That's why baptism is absolutely essential. All right, reason number four, uh, excuse me, reason number five. Water baptism is absolutely essential because it is for the remission of sins. Remission of sins means forgiveness of sins. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. Notice carefully, Jesus shed his blood for the remission of sins. Jesus didn't shed his blood because sins were already forgiven. He shed his blood in order that sins might be forgiven. Now, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the expression for the remission of sins is identical in both Matthew 26 and in Acts chapter 2. Now, if Acts chapter 2 means repent and be baptized because your sins are already forgiven, then Matthew 26 means Jesus shed His blood because sins are already forgiven. But if Matthew 26 means Jesus shed His blood in order that men might receive forgiveness, then Acts 2.38 means we must be baptized in order that we might receive forgiveness. You see? Right? Now then, reason number six. Water baptism is absolutely essential because this is how sinners are saved by faith and not of works. Now, I have two passages for you to consider here. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay. Now look at the next passage. James chapter 2, verse 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Here are two passages. One passage says we are not saved by works. The other passage says we are saved by works. The only way that both of these passages can be true is that they are envisioning different kinds of works. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 2, when the Bible says we are not saved by works lest any man should boast, those are works <coughs> of merit. And in James chapter 2, when the Bible says we are justified by works, those are works of humble obedience. Now look at works of merit. Ephesians chapter 2. What are works of merit? Works of merit are works that are done with a haughty attitude. When somebody does something and they, they think, hmm, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I am good. Haughty. Arrogant. This, this is described in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. Beware, what is it? Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command you today. Stop there just a minute. Is obedience absolutely essential for salvation? Yes. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments. Verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Skip down to verse 17. 
Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. What's the problem here? There's a problem with these people in Deuteronomy chapter It's an attitude problem, you see. The works of merit, which Ephesians chapter 2 said we're not saved by works. Works of merit, works done with a haughty attitude, you see, are works done where somebody has got an attitude. Now, let me tell you something. There's only one thing that makes God more brokenhearted than a sinner. And that's a sinner with an attitude. Yeah. Works of merit. Now, on the other hand, James chapter 2 talks about works of humble obedience. Works of humble obedience are works that men do because God commanded them and they humbly, uh, they are humble and they are not trusting in the tough, but they are relying and trusting upon God while they do their works. Works of humble obedience. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 10, so likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we're unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do. Obeying the commands of God with a humble attitude is required. It is essential, absolutely essential for salvation. In John chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus said, Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures the everlasting life which the Son of God will give you. Now, here's a command by the Lord Himself to labor. Labor means work. And he says, do not labor for it. And he describes some things that will not profit to the saving of the soul. So, do not labor for, but for. In other words, here are some things that you must work uh, at in order to have everlasting life. Baptism is a work when done with the proper attitude. It's not a work of merit, but a work of humble obedience and when baptism is coupled with humble faith, it saves the sinner. James chapter 2, verse 24. Now, watch carefully. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You see, being, being saved by faith involves baptism. In Titus chapter 3, in verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration in this passage is baptism. And this passage is explicitly stating that baptism is not a work of merit, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Instead, it is a gracious provision granted by God by which our sins are washed away by the blood of Christ. Right, reason number seven. Water baptism is absolutely essential because it is how sinners are made disciples of Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed on Him, If you abide in My Word, then you are My disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right, reason backwards in this passage. Who is made free from their sins? Those who know the truth. Who knows the truth? Those who are the Lord's disciples. Who is a disciple of the Lord? Those who abide in His Word. That means those who obey His Word. Only the disciples of the Lord are set free from their sin. Now, how do you become a disciple? Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. I've got to make disciples of everybody. How do I do it? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. There are two things required to become a disciple of the Lord. First, you have to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you have to continue observing all things which the Lord commanded. Since men are made disciples when they're baptized, and since only the disciples are made free from their sins, baptism is absolutely essential for salvation. Reason number eight. Water baptism is absolutely essential because this is when one becomes circumcised in his heart. The Old Testament Israelites were rebuked because they were circumcised in the flesh, but not in their hearts. 
In Deuteronomy 10 and verse 16, Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. In Jeremiah 4 verse 4, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and the heavens of Jerusalem. Lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evils of your doing. An uncircumcised heart is an unsaved person. And the Jew would become forgiven if he would humble himself and submit to the commandments which God gave him. The unforgiven sinner uh, can receive forgiveness if he humbles himself and submits to the Lord's command to be baptized. Now watch this. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All right. Verse 11 says, A circumcision made without hands. That is the circumcision of the heart. When God cuts off the body of sins from the sinner, this is called the circumcision of Christ. In verse 12, Buried with him in baptism. This is when. God cuts off the body of sin. This is when the person becomes circumcised in his heart. Verse 12, through faith in the working of God. When a, a sinner is properly baptized, he's not trusting in himself to be saved. He is trusting in the operation of God. Baptism is an act of faith in God. And then verse 13 says, and you he has made alive, having forgiven you all trespasses. Clearly, baptism is the point in time when the sinner is saved from his sins and trespasses, and when he is given spiritual life. Baptism is essential because this is when circumcision of the heart takes place. Reason number nine. Water baptism is absolutely essential because it puts the sinner into the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. The body or the church is what the Lord is going to save when He comes again. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and He's the Savior, listen, the Savior of the body. So then if somebody would be saved, they have to be in the body in order to be saved when the Lord comes again. Before a person is baptized, they're not part of the body. After they're baptized, they are a member of the body, the church. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In verse 42, 41, Then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Baptism is essential because it makes people members of the body of Christ, the church. Alright, reason number 10. Water baptism is absolutely essential because those who are not baptized will be lost in hell. In uh, the first passage I offer for your consideration on this point is John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In order to enter into the kingdom of God, one must be born of the water and the Spirit. One birth composed of two elements. When one is born of the water, it means he has gone down into the water and then been raised back out of the water. And he is born of the Spirit at the very same moment because he has submitted to the Spirit's teachings concerning baptism. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Now, question. Can I verify from any scripture that baptism is when the new birth occurs? Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? 
Therefore, we're buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died is free from sin. According to this passage, when a man is baptized, his old man is crucified, and a new life begins at baptism. Of this verifies, the new birth occurs at the point of baptism and not before or after. Jesus said, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's why baptism is absolutely essential for salvation. Again, can I verify that baptism is the point when the new birth occurs? Yes, I can. Romans chapter 6, verse 17 says this, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, Yet you have obeyed from the heart. There's that humble obedience that James chapter 2 You obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. One is set free from sin when he obeys from the heart a form of the doctrine which the apostles taught. What, what doctrine did the apostles teach? Because if I can figure that out, then I can know when someone obeys a form of that doctrine, they are set free from their sins. Right? Here's the doctrine the Apostle taught. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, uh, which you also received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. Here's the gospel by which we're saved. If you keep uh, in uh, memory, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received: that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures; that He was buried; that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. What was the doctrine which the apostles taught? They taught the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now there is some command. That is like the death, burial, and, uh, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which, when a person obeys that command, they are set free from their sins. What command is Baptism. Baptism it is not just a symbol of the death of Christ and His burial and His resurrection. Baptism is when the sinner actually dies to his sin, when the old man is actually crucified, and then it is buried. And after it has been buried, then the sinner is raised now to walk a new life. <coughs> Baptism is not just symbolic, but it is when these things actually occur in the life of the sinner. Now, the second passage I offer for you to consider that if you're not back up, you will be lost in hell is actually a combination of passages. Now, we learned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, being baptized is called obeying the gospel because you're obeying the command that is like the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So question, if a person does not obey the gospel, what's going to happen? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? One obeys the gospel by being baptized in water for the remission of sins. And if he does not obey the gospel, he will be lost forever. That's why baptism is absolutely essential. Now, we've looked at ten reasons why baptism is absolutely essential for salvation. It's essential because it is commanded by Christ. Number two, because it is from heaven. Number three, because this is when the sinner contacts the saving blood of Christ. Number four, because baptism is how men call on the name of the Lord. Number five, uh, baptism is for the remission of sins. Number six, baptism is how sinners are saved by faith. 
and not by works. Number seven, baptism is how sinners are made disciples of Christ. Number eight, baptism is when one becomes circumcised in his heart. Number nine, baptism puts the sinner into the body of Christ, which he will save when he comes again. And number ten, baptism is uh, when, when people are baptized, uh, people that are not baptized will be lost in hell, as we notice from those last passages. Now, here are ten reasons why baptism is absolutely essential, not just for Christian living, not just for growth, but for salvation. And if you have never been baptized properly, you need to be baptized for the right reason. We got water tonight. We're ready to baptize you into Christ if you understand that this is required by the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 